listening to the Central Sanford Podcast. To learn more about Central Sanford, including our gathering time, visit us online at centralsanford.net. Today's talk comes from Pastor Alan Brumbach. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Let's all read this together. Jesus says, pray then like this, all together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You may be seated. We live in a a world that, especially in a Western world, that we don't have kings or queens in America. But yet, I think a lot of us, if we're honest, have a somewhat of a fascination with them. For much of the history of the world, most nations have been governed by royalty. Uh, There's been a monarch. The British have kings and queens. The Russians had czars. The Germans had kaisers. The Chinese had emperors. Many of you maybe have watched uh, the program The Crown, which gives you the the story of Queen Elizabeth, who is the longest reigning monarch in, in British history. We love and are fascinated with movies about kings and queens. We, we read fairy tales and stories like Camelot. We're attracted to those type of things, and we're attracted to with the British royal family. I know many of you are caught up to date on, on all things British royal. Uh, it's amazing how people don't know anything maybe about the Bible, but they can tell you what Princess uh, Meghan Markle is doing today. Um, I, I don't know if she's called that anymore. I think she's called the Duchess. Not, she's not called Princess. I want to make sure because I know some of you will send me emails and say, Pastor, you got that one wrong. <laughs> but we're infatu- infatuated not just with royalty, but I think we're also infatuated with the celebrity. I mean, how many people, when they see somebody famous, they, they, they just kind of get weird around them. They get geeked out and, and, or they want to get a picture with them. You know, I have very few people that want to get a picture with me. I don't know why. <laughs> But we're, in fa- we're fascinated with the, the celebrity. So there was an article written in Time magazine that, that I read that, that asked this question, why are people obsessed with royals? So they, they asked some psychologists, and one of the psychologists in the article said that the reason that people are obsessed with royalty or even the celebrity is this, is that we want to live our lives through them. People obsess with royalty because they subconsciously want to be royal. He goes on and says this, we all have dreams of wealth and fame and happiness and style and social influence, which starts early with fairy tales we are told by our parents. See, the question is this, why do you and I have this desire for celebrity or even just royalty? And the reason is this, is because we were created by a king. We were created by a king to live for a king, to be a child of the king, to live in his kingdom. Well, this morning we're going through the Lord's Prayer. and Maybe you're new to church and this is maybe the first time you heard that or maybe you've grown up and you've heard this before. Well, it's considered, in my opinion, the, to be the prayer of prayers. Of all the prayers probably ever uh, uh, memorized and spoken, it, it's, it's been the most spoken prayer in the history of humanity. Yet, a lot of people know it. Maybe you've memorized it. Maybe you've read it. But you, you really don't understand what it means and it maybe hasn't impacted your prayer life. Well, the goal of this series is to look line upon line to see how God wants us to pray to him. 
And so the first three petitions that we're going to be doing, we did last week, hallowed be your name. This week, your kingdom come. Next week, your will be done. These first three petitions are about God. The focus of these petitions is on God and his glory. And it's amazing how the focus of the prayer that Jesus tells us to pray starts with God and his glory before it gets to man and his need. So this morning, we're looking at your kingdom come. And and as we think through that, we've been instructed to address God not as king, although he is. We've been instructed to address him as father, but yet he is the father who's also the king. And so as we think about this line, your kingdom come, we have to to kind of sense what is God teaching us in this. And so here's what I want you to get from the message this morning. Here's what it is. When you and I understand the coming of God's kingdom, it causes us to cry out for God's kingdom to come in our lives and to this world in fullness. When you and I understand what the kingdom of God is about and the coming of that kingdom, then it will cause those of us who are children of the king to long and cry out for God's kingdom to come in our lives and also in this world in fullness. So just two things this morning, and I'm sure you're happy about that. Number one is this, the coming of the kingdom. When, when you pray your kingdom come, what, what are you praying for? Are you, are you praying for the magic kingdom to come? No, you're, you're praying for the kingdom of God. This reference of the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven, and there have been some debating, is there a difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven? And I would say no, they're the same thing. This phrase, kingdom of God, is found 157 times in the New Testament. Now, again, as, as Americans, we don't have an understanding with kings and kingdoms or the monarch. So I just want to simply define what a kingdom is. A kingdom is an administration. It's a way of life. It's a governance, it's a culture that is instituted by the king. So the kingdom of God is God's authority, his administration, his way of life, his governance, and his culture. It's God's authority, God's administration. So maybe think of it in this way. Think of a head coach. Every head coach that goes, whether it's football or basketball or baseball, every coach that comes uh, is to that team, it's king or queen. It's, that coach is the ruler. They're not elected by the players. So when they come in, they have a system of doing things. They have rules. They have policies. They have values. They have visions. They have procedures. A great coach uses his administration to bring the team together so that the team gels together and they produce good results. And, and the goal is that the players flourish under the, great key, the, under the great coach's administration, and they flourish under the great coach's way of life. That's the same thought. The kingdom of God is an administration. And the kingdom of God has values and procedures and systems and policies, and we find that in the Word of God. So let me give you another definition of the kingdom of God, and this is from Graham Goldsworthy. Here's how he defines it. He says, the kingdom of God is... God's people, in God's place, under God's rule and blessing. God's people, in God's place, under God's rule and blessing. And if you think about the entirety of the Bible, the story of the Bible is the story of the kingdom of God. So you and I were created to live under God's rule so that we can joyfully flourish and enjoy God forever. And, and, and yet, the story of humanity is that we reject God's rule. God's story is that he wants to bless us, he wants to rule over us so that we can joyfully flourish under him, but yet we reject God's rule in our life. So we see this even early on in the Garden of Eden. 
you have Adam and Eve, who are God's people, and they lived where? The Garden of Eden, that's God's place, and they were told to obey God about the tree, that's God's rule, and when they obeyed God about the tree, they experienced God's presence, he walked with them, he talked with them, and he, they experienced God's joy, which was God's blessing. So they lived in an absolutely perfect environment. They were under the kingdom and authority of God. They were even serving as his representatives of authority on the earth, and yet they rebelled against God's authority. They chose to be their own rulers, and the result was that God punished them, and he exiled them out of Eden, which was out of his place. See, what Adam and Eve did is that they brought then sin upon every son and daughter of Adam And no longer are we born naturally into the kingdom of God. We are born naturally into the kingdom of man. So the world that we live in is not the kingdom of God. The world that we live in is the kingdom of man. And it's the domain of darkness. And it's ruled by the God of this world who is Satan himself. It's the kingdom of selfishness, self-centeredness, ungodliness, conflict, strife, evil, and death. That's what we're living in. And yet... The story of the Bible. So if you're brand new to the Bible, and maybe some of you say, man, pastor, this sounds like fairy tale stuff to me. No, it's the Bible. All fairy tales point us to the ultimate story, the story above the story, but the story behind the story, which is the true story of redemption. The story of the Bible is this. It's how that God in Jesus Christ came to rescue us from the kingdom of man and bring us into the kingdom of God. That's what the story of the Bible is about. It's that we were enslaved in the kingdom of man, and yet God came through Jesus to bring us into the kingdom of God. See, these are the promises of the Bible. The promise that was given to Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. From you, you're going to be a blessing to all nations. The blessing, the, the, the promises that were given to Moses, that there's going to come a prophet who will rule the people. The promise that was given to David, that there's going to come a king from your from your lineage, who will rule forever. The promises that came to the prophets, how they looked into the future and saw everything sad and everything broken in this world untrue. Every bit of this was how God was going to bring his people back under his rule in his kingdom so that they can enjoy God's blessings forever. So when Jesus came into this world, he came to inaugurate, he came to bring in the kingdom of God. That's why in Mark chapter 1 verse 15, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is at hand. That's why Jesus, when he spoke to the disciples and they, uh, when the Pharisees said, where is the kingdom going to be? And Jesus said, the kingdom of God to his disciples is in the midst of you. Luke chapter 17, 21. And when Paul writes to the church of Philippi and he says that we are citizens of the kingdom of God by faith, he says that our citizenship is in heaven. See, Jesus is not only the king, but Jesus is the kingdom. And so that when you, by faith, trust in Jesus, the kingdom of God comes inside of you. Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14 vividly illustrate this in which Paul says, He, who is Jesus, has delivered us from the domain of darkness. Okay, that's the kingdom of man ruled by the God of this world, Satan. And he has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. 
And who we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. God took us from the kingdom of man and brought us into the kingdom of God through means of redemption. So that we can have our sins forgiven. We are all rebels against the king, all traitors against the king. And it took God through Jesus Christ to forgive us of our rebellion so that we can come back into the kingdom. So what is God's kingdom? God's kingdom is this. Is God's kingdom today is made up of all believers in Christ. That's God's people. Gathered and scattered around the world. That's God's place. Under the law of Christ. God's rule. Enjoying the presence of the Holy Spirit and the grace of the new covenant. That's God's blessing. So the local church is gathered believers. And we are outposts of the kingdom of God on earth. We are visible the invisible kingdom of God. <clears throat> so, that's now for some of you that maybe you're new to this, that's an that's, that's a entire book condensed in about 10 minutes. So, what does it mean to say kingdom come? Because if, 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 if the truth is this, is that the kingdom of God has come when the king came, if the kingdom of God is here, and, and, and if you're saying, Pastor, that the kingdom of God is here now already, then why are, all their, why are all the problems in the world here? Why are there repeated earthquakes happening in Puerto Rico? Why is there a new virus in China that is now quarantining, the, the, the Communist Party of China are quarantining millions of people? Why, why is there a, a, a locust? Did you know that in Kenya right now, in Kenya, East Africa, there is a, 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 a plague of locusts that's just coming and devouring everything? I mean, it sounds very end times biblical, doesn't it? Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Why are there problems of injustice and poverty and evil and death? Why is it, if the kingdom of God has come, why is it all this stuff happening? Because here's what you have to understand. The kingdom of God, yes, is already here, but not fully here. It's already, but not yet. When Jesus came, he came and got the party started. And when you trust him as your savior, he puts the kingdom inside of you, but there is still more kingdom to come. The kingdom has come, but it is still coming. Does that make sense? It's here, but not completely here. Now, let me give you an example of this. And this is, you're going to see this in the, in the life of Jesus. Think about the miracles of Jesus. There's a lot of infatuation with miracles. People just are obsessed with miracles. But I want you just to look back and think biblically, why did Jesus perform the miracles he performed? And why is it that if Jesus was on the earth and he had the power to heal everybody and, and make everybody that's blind be able to see and everyone that's lame be able to walk, why did he just do that for everybody? Why is it he just, just kind of did it with different people? Because if he did it for everybody, then that means the kingdom of God would be here in its fullness. But what he did when Jesus healed that paralyzed man or when he gave sight to the blind man, or when he fed the multitudes, or when he raised the dead, what he was doing is he was saying, listen, I have come, the party has started, but it's not here completely. And he's pointing to a day in which it will be here completely. Because in the kingdom of God, there are no paralyzed people. In the kingdom of God, there are no blind people. In the kingdom of God, there are no hungry people. In the kingdom of God, there are no dead people. So he's pointing to what is to come. These were just glimpses of what is to come. But yet, already in Jesus, 
We experience these same blessings spiritually. That if you are in Jesus, you are in the kingdom. And if you are in the kingdom, you are not spiritually paralyzed. If you are in the kingdom, you are not spiritually blind. If you are in the kingdom, you are not spiritually hungry. If you are in the kingdom, you are not spiritually dead because the kingdom has come inside of you. So already, but not yet. See, the point of Jesus' miracles was not to say that from this point forward, Jesus will heal everybody whenever they name it and claim it. But he is saying that the point of the miracles is to show us that one day, everyone in the kingdom of God will be completely healed. This past few weeks, Jonathan Evans, who is the son of Lois and Tony Evans. Tony Evans is a, a known pastor. Um, his, his mother, Jonathan's mother, Lois, passed away of cancer. She had a very long ordeal with, with cancer. So they took an entire church service, four hours long, to preach her funeral but share the gospel. And Jonathan Edwards, who actually used to play in the NFL and is a, is a really well speaker. I mean, and, and some of you, like, who are these people? Priscilla Shire, if you've ever heard of her. Her mom and dad were Tony and Lois Evans. So Jonathan Evans here is speaking on, at the funeral of his mother. And here's what he said. I was going to show a video, but I couldn't get it to work. And so I'm just going to kind of read what he said. Is that he prayed that God would heal his mother. Have you ever prayed that God would heal somebody before? He prayed that God would heal his mother. And then she passed away. And he thought, well, God, why didn't you answer my prayer? And then he said it was as if God told him, here's what he says, that this is essentially what he said that God told him. That just because I didn't answer your prayer your way, doesn't mean I didn't answer that prayer anyway. He concluded that God did answer his prayer. That either she was going to be healed, or she was going to be healed. Either she was going to live, or she was going to live. Either she was going to be gathered with her family, or she's going to be gathered with her family. Because if you are in the kingdom of God, there is a day of absolute healing that's coming. But as we live in this world as Christians, we are living between the already but not yet. So the kingdom of God does not come through political or cultural solutions. It doesn't matter what hat you wear, what, what, what uh, animal you support what person that you are involved in, how much money you give, there is no way that the kingdom of God comes through the political process. There is no way that it comes through education or cultural solutions. Why? Because Jesus said, this kingdom is not of this world. The kingdom of God will only come when Jesus returns and consummates his kingdom on earth. So, that's what the coming of the kingdom is. And if you are in Christ Jesus, that is something for you. Because if you are in Christ Jesus, your heart should be beating out of itself with expectation. Have you ever, now I'm going, in, I'm going off notes right now. Have you ever 
had a day that you wished the merry-go-round would end and you could get off and go to heaven? Now, I'm not saying that you're suicidal, but I'm saying, have you ever just wished that you could just go be with Jesus? There are days I do. Let me be honest with you. You know, life's tough. And, and to be quite frank, there's a lot of people that have it a whole lot worse than we do. But when we're going through it, we think we're the only ones. And I understand in my life, and I'm about to get older in a couple of weeks, so don't forget my birthday's coming up. <laughs> but as I get older, see, when you're younger, you don't ever want to think about heaven because you're enjoying earth too much now. But as you get closer, you say, come some, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But I think those of us who understand what the kingdom is are not afraid of it, but we look for it. And so Jesus says that we are to pray your kingdom come. When you understand the kingdom is coming, you will cry out for the kingdom. It's the second point. See, when we say your kingdom come, we are asking God to bring his kingdom here. And I think there are three aspects to that. When we pray your kingdom come, we're, we're essentially, these are the three cries. The first cry is a cry of treason. Treason, you say. Yes, treason, I say. The word treason, we, we use that word a lot. But treason is a crime of betraying one's own country by trying to overthrow the government or kill its leader. When Jesus told his disciples to pray, your kingdom come, he wasn't calling them to overthrow Roman occupation in that day over Israel and reestablish the throne of David in Jerusalem. See, that was the first thing in the disciples' mind after the resurrection. They said, when are we going to get this party started? But what he was calling for is the overthrow of the kingdom of this world and to establish the true king, King Jesus, because as I said earlier, the kingdom of this world is led by Satan. He is, the Bible says, the God of this world, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. He sits in the ruling seat, Revelation chapter 2, verse 13. He has a kingdom of darkness, Colossians 1, 13. He is the leader of the spiritual government of this world, the prince of the power of the air. He has planted his flag on this earth in Genesis chapter 3, and he has stormed the castle of our hearts and our minds. You want to know why our world is obsessed with murdering babies and calling it choice? Because the God of this world has put it in their mind. See, Satan is a murderer, and he's a liar. And he's been so from the beginning. His motive is to murder, and he does it through lying. But when we pray, your kingdom come, we are asking that God destroy the devil forever and finally. Because we want Satan and all his dominion, demonic forces that scheme and assault and lie and accuse to be destroyed forever. We want to see the world and its system toppled and overthrown. If you are a Star Wars fan, you are fighting for the rebellion because you want to overthrow the evil empire. Now here's some good news. That in Christ... We've already defeated Satan. On the cross, Jesus crushed the head of Satan. And the Bible says in Colossians 2.15 that he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphant, triumphant thing over them in Jesus. Yet, 
until Christ returns, we who are the citizens of the kingdom are still living behind enemy lines. Do you understand that if you are a citizen of the kingdom of God, you're living behind enemy lines? We are in hostile territory. That's why they don't understand us. Because this world's not our home. Now, the problem with many Christians is that we're living as if this world is our home. And we're getting too deep in it. But yet, there is a conflict, and there always will be a conflict of the two kingdoms. The kingdom of man and the kingdom of God. And so this is why we pray your kingdom come. Andrew Murray said this. He said, the children of the Father are here in the enemy's territory where the kingdom which is in heaven is not yet fully manifested. What is more natural than we, than we learn to hallow the Father name and should cry with a deep enthusiasm, thy kingdom come. We're behind enemy lines and we want to see the kingdom come so that the enemies of our life are defeated. But when you and I pray your kingdom come, we are pledging our allegiance to the king. And we're praying this, Father, this world is not my home. It's passing away. I have no allegiance to it, nor to the God of this world, Satan. As I am behind enemy lines, I promise to never waver in my allegiance to you. But I say, bring the kingdom. (laughs) Bring the kingdom. It's a cry of treason. But it's also a cry of devotion. When we say your kingdom come, it's a cry of devotion. That there is, in a sense, as we are saying, our allegiance to the king. It's Tim Keller who calls this a lordship petition. That we're asking God to extend his rule and royal power over our lives. That when we say your kingdom come, we want it to be deeper in our lives. Augustine said that we should never pray for God's kingdom to come without praying, God, let it be deeper in me. We want God's rule and his reign to be deeper in my emotions and my desires and my thoughts and my commitments. See, God's rule in me is what I want. So, God, I want you to rule in me so that I will obey you with all of my heart with joy. Now, here's the problem. When you say your kingdom come, and you say, God, I want you to rule in my life so that I obey you with joy, and I obey you with my whole heart, there's always a conflict. And it's a challenge. Eric Raymond said this. He says, we cannot cry out, your kingdom come, while we're still promoting our own kingdom. Sin is an expression of disloyalty to the king. It is trading crowns. It salutes the flag of self over the flag of Christ. To say to God, your kingdom come, is to cry out in repentance that we do not want our kingdom to come in this world, but we want his kingdom to come. Now you say, Pastor, what do you mean? And here's what I mean, that there is a battle in every one of our sinful hearts over who's the king. We want our kingdom to come. We want our will to be done. We want to be the king. We want to build our own kingdom. We want to build our own empire rather than God's empire. But when we say your kingdom come, we are pledging our devotion to the king of kings. And you say, Pastor, I don't struggle with this. I don't have any problems with this. Well, you're a liar. And and not only do we want to promote our own kingdom rather than God's kingdom in many different ways, but we even try to do it in the church. Let me show you some ways 
that you can detect whether you're building your own empire or the kingdom of God. The first way is this, is that you secretly rejoice when others struggle or are not as successful as you. You want to tell whether whose kingdom you're building? If it's your kingdom, then when other people's fall, that's your success. Because you can promote you and push them down. A second way is when you're territorial over your area of ministry in the church. When you say, my ministry is the best ministry and you better not mess with my ministry, you are building your kingdom and not God's kingdom. I'll give you some more. When you only support the things that you like or that can promote your agenda. I'll only show up to this if it's something I want to do. I'll only serve in that if it's something that I want to do. I'll only give my money. I'll designate my money to little things that I want to do rather than promote it for the kingdom of God. When you exaggerate your own importance or influence, when you want everyone to know that if you were to drop dead tomorrow that the world would fall apart, you're building your own kingdom. And here's a problem. There's a lot of pastors that do that. One of the struggles in my own life is that, is to come to the conclusion That if I drop dead tomorrow, God's kingdom is going to continue. My kingdom won't. His kingdom will. But when you're constantly telling other people how great you are, how important you are, how much you are needed, you are building your kingdom and not God's kingdom. Continue on. Oh, it just gets better. When you're envious of others that are successful or more recognized, when, when people don't give you the appreciation that you feel like you deserve, when people don't pat you on the back and tell you how good of a Christian and how good of a person and how if you weren't here, this thing wouldn't happen, when your name's not in the bulletin or not on the slide or no one knows who it is, you get upset. When someone else gets praised, you get that nasty pit in your stomach. When you see on Facebook that someone else is successful, you delete them from your friendship. You sabotage. I can't even talk this morning. I'm so convicted. (laughs) You will sabotage or criticize others in the church so that you can look good. No, none of us do that. You know, it doesn't take much size to criticize. Anybody can do it. I'll continue on. I don't know if we can stand anymore. Last one. You love those who follow you and you disregard those who don't. I'm just going to leave it there. See, we are called to live our lives as citizens of the kingdom, not promoting our own agendas. Not promoting our kingdom, but to bear witness to the reality of the kingdom of God in our lives. We want others not to see us. That's what we should want, but we should want others to see the king. So when we pray your kingdom come, we are praying that our lives would reflect God's reign, that others would see in us Christ and his rulership over our lives. So when we pray your kingdom come, we are saying, God, 
you are my king. I want to see your kingdom come, not my own. I want to be obedient to your rule over my life. I want others to see in my life that you are my king. Forgive me when I am disloyal to you. Incline my heart to love you and your agenda and not my own. It is a cry not only of treason and devotion, but it's a cry of redemption. It is asking God to usher in an unimaginable future where all suffering, injustice, poverty, death will be ended. It is crying for God to bring heaven down to make everything sad and true. The coming of the kingdom is the undying burden of God's people. God will make everything right. We are crying for redemption, personal redemption. Those of you that are suffering this morning, those suffering in this world... They are longing for the pain to be gone. The Bible says in Romans 8, 30, 23, that we are longing for the redemption of our bodies. We are looking for justice and righteousness to flow down. I've told you about Joni Erickson Tata. Joni broke her neck as a young lady in a diving accident and became quadriplegic. Yet her story has been used by God to encourage others in their suffering. She says in one of her books that after her accident, she went to church. There she was in her wheelchair, everyone walking around her. There was a moment in the service where the pastor called everyone to kneel where they were and to pray to God. She said that when the pastor said that everyone was to kneel, she was overwhelmed in despair thinking that she would never be able to kneel again. She writes in her book, And then I remembered the kingdom resurrection. Just before the party gets going in heaven, the wedding feast of the Lamb, the first thing I plan to do on my resurrected legs is to drop on grateful, glorified knees, kneeling quietly before the feet of Jesus. And then I'm going to be on my feet dancing. Can you imagine the hope that gives someone with permanent spinal cord injury? Can you imagine the hope this this even gives one who is a manic depressive? She says, no other religion promises new bodies in a material universe. Only in the gospel of Jesus Christ do people hurting like me find such enormous help to live. Now, here's the interesting thing. Joni Erickson's Tata's legs may have been crippled, but her soul is leaping and dancing. Her body is here on earth, but her soul is in the kingdom of God. And one day, her body is going to catch up with her soul. Whatever you're going through, however kind of hell it is, it's the worst experience of hell you'll ever experience because there's heaven coming. And your your body may be in hell, but your soul doesn't have to be. And as we cry, your kingdom come, we are asking for God's ultimate redemption in your life. But we're also calling for God's global redemption. As we pray, your kingdom come, we are asking that those who are still in the domain of darkness be brought into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We are praying for God to conquer the rebellious hearts of those around us and make them his forever. To pray, your kingdom come, is to ask God to Bring the kingdom into others' lives. It's an evangelistic prayer.
As we ask God, as you bring your kingdom, save my brother, save my sister, save my family, save my friends, bring your kingdom in my neighborhood. You know, here's a beautiful thing. God wants to use you and I to expand his kingdom on earth. Did you know that? The last words of Jesus as he ascends to the Father are, Go and make disciples of all people. What does that mean? It means to spread the kingdom. How humbling it is to know that God advances his kingdom agenda through the prayers and proclamation of his people. Phil Riken said that the kingdom comes mainly through proclamation. Through the announcement that Christ, who was crucified, is now king. The only way people will ever come into God's kingdom is by hearing his heralds proclaim a crucified king. God wants to use you to bring his kingdom here. Let me end with this. Over the past couple of weeks, I'm sure that you've heard about what's happening in England. The sixth in line to the British throne, Prince Harry and his wife Meghan, have decided that they no longer want to be a part of the royal family. It is, for all intensive other words, it's a royal flush. (laughs) I've worked all week on that joke. They don't want the obligations and responsibility of living the life of British royalty. Those poor people. So what Meghan and Harry came to with the Queen was a hybrid approach. That they would do some of their duties, but not all of their duties, and not receive money from the country. And they thought it would work until they went to the queen. Queen Elizabeth said this, you have two options, in or out. Now, you and I, we don't have those options. We can't go in and go out of the British royal family because we're not, we have no in. But in or out. To be in God's royal family a citizen of his kingdom, the option is the same. You're either in or you're out. There's no hybrid approach. You can't do the hokey pokey with Jesus. You can't be partly in the kingdom and partly out the kingdom. You're either in the kingdom or you're out of the kingdom. But notice this, you will never say your kingdom come until you surrender to the king. Until you come to the place where you see the beauty and wonder of His majesty and you give your life to the King. My prayer is this morning is that everyone in this room can say, Your kingdom come. But the reality is, is that not everybody can. So my hope is this morning that if you have never come to that place where you said, I'm in, I believe, I trust, I don't understand it all, I may not even like it all, but I trust it all. But I want to be in. If that's you this morning, you can be in. You don't have to be related to Jesus. You don't have to be an awesome person. 
you don't have to be perfect. You just surrender to the king. And you're in the kingdom. And all the riches and all the greatness and all the promises of God are yours. That kingdom, if it's coming, it'll be yours. Because the king will live inside of you. So my prayer is this morning that if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that right now you'll surrender your life to him. Those of you that do, realize what I said. Is that when you pray your kingdom come, you are saying no to the world. You're saying yes to Jesus. And you're looking for his coming. And some of you that are hurting, you needed that this morning. You needed to know that that yes, my body may be in hell, but my soul doesn't have to be there. I can be in heaven. Thank you for listening to the Central Sanford Podcast. For more information or how to take your next step, visit us online at centralsanford.net.